from Relay FM, this is Connected episode 239. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, Pingdom, and Moo. My name is Federico Viticci, and this being an odd-numbered episode, it's my very utmost pleasure to introduce my friend and co-host, Mike Hurley. How are you, Mike? Finally, I get the introduction I've always wanted. It was perfect, Federico. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It feels so professional. So as you may guess, uh, our... Dad's away. Dad's away. So uh, <laughs> co-hosts gone wild today. Uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's a fun-packed episode of Connected. Uh, we've, been, uh, we've been planning a bunch of topics and of mm-hmm. course... We are dispensing with follow-up today. Who needs follow-up anyway? Nobody needs so, follow-up. Nobody needs follow-up. That will happen in the past anyway. No one cares. Who Here cares we are. The past? We've got new things to talk about. It's all about new things and the future. Oh, actually, so. <laughs> our first new thing well, is talking about is your 10-year anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, it's new. You know, you've only hit 10 it's years. It's a new anniversary. <laughs> it's a new anniversary. Um, so, yeah, this week... This week, uh, actually on Saturday, right, the 20th, uh, is the exact date that marks um, the 10-year anniversary of uh, MacStories.net, which is Federico's website, which you, I'd be super surprised if you didn't know uh, by now. But uh, So we just wanted to kind of note at the top that like you guys have been doing a bunch of wonderful content this week, and there's a ton of stuff over at the website, like... Uh, you've written a piece and John has. Graham came back to write something. I think Stephen's mm-hmm. written something as well. Yes. Um, he shared it with me, which I see. Is that going up on the website? Yeah, I think it's tomorrow. Actually. Okay. Yeah. So that's actually really nice because it is an oral history of our show, The Prompt and Connectors. That's really, that's like a, I don't know if you know this, uh, but that's what it's about. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, I've read uh, it. Are you talking to me? Mm-hmm. I have seen it. <laughs> okay, cool. I was I wasn't sure if it was a surprise for you. <laughs> oh no, no, uh, no, 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 no. I've seen I've because seen it, I yeah. was aware of of Stephen's brief, which was John just said. Do you know? Do you know the brief that John gave to Stephen for this? No, that he I'm said, not aware of. You've known Federico the longest. Write something. <laughs> <laughs> it was effectively that. That's uh, my guy. I yeah. Like that. So so that so then Stephen was like, all right, I'll write about the how well, the prompt came about. Um. There was a wonderful episode of App Stories, episode 107, which people should go and listen to. It's 90 minutes long, and it is John just grilling you um, about <laughs> everything Mac, Mac Stories related. I was fascinated by it because you sound so smart in it. Um, not that you aren't, but like sometimes it's <laughs> in nice to hear. Specific episode, in this, you in sound this smart. one specific <laughs> instance, you were prepared enough that you were able to fool everyone. Um, no, it's, it's nice sometimes to be able to hear. Uh, People that you know are accomplished and are capable talk about things from a point of authority because then you realize kind of just how accomplished and capable they are. Um, And so that was really nice to listen to because you super sounded like you knew what you were doing um, and it was very nice to hear it all. Like there were some stories I'd heard before, but the way it all came together was, was really well done. Right, like it's, and this is one of those things. Where it's like, yeah, you you've probably heard a version, maybe of Federico's origin story before, like the eBay store. Every long time listeners of this show know about the eBay store, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's when it's done in a different context. Even those similar stories work perfectly, and yeah, it's a really really fascinating ninety minutes. I learned some stuff about you actually that I don't think I knew. Uh, like what you seem to have like a real 
feeling about like not wanting to waste people's time like in a way that i don't think i've ever really heard you talk about that before mm. so it, it's very very interesting um and so yeah 10 years yeah. congratulations to you Thank that you. is bonkers i'm having my 10 years um next year no wait 10 years oh, for uh, what for uh, podcasting in podcasting in i missed it it was last wednesday <laughs> <laughs> this is not how you're supposed to do anniversaries, Mike. April tenth, two thousand and nine was my first ever podcast. So, and you just realized? I just realized, yeah. Well, congratulations. Wait, when did the iPad come out? It was twenty ten. Then it's next year. <laughs> it's next. Oh my April. god! Oh my god! Look, what do you want from me, man? I can't. I can't keep track of these things. I've erased all of that from the internet, so it's difficult for me to to find out. But this yeah, is no. real roller coaster of emotions right so now. So I just passed nine years. I, I missed that. So okay, I've been okay. podcasting for nine years and one week. So next year is my ten. Is my ten year. Because Have I told you this story? You've probably heard this before. There was once on an episode of Analog, um, I mentioned how old I was, right? Like maybe like my birthday was coming up or something, and I mentioned how old I was, hmm. and then I got follow up correcting my age because I got it wrong. <laughs> I think I know this. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, what do you want from me? This is how I am. Anyway, congratulations, Federica. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate the kind words, especially on the App Stories episode. Uh, yeah, this was fun. that was fun. I don't like celebrating anniversaries, but, you know, 10 years, it's a big number and all that. So felt appropriate, but still, uh, there's a bunch of other things on Mac Stories this week. So it's not just about us. There's also, you know, back to work and all of that. So um, I just don't like talking about myself too much. That's why I normally don't share these things. But I'm pleased that when I did, you you liked it. So yeah. Every now and then, you got to allow yourself some of that time. Yeah, yeah. All right, so on to the next topic. Uh, we want to talk about an app that launched today mm -hmm. and that, Mike, you are actually kind of responsible for it in a way. In a roundabout weird way, yes. Mm -hmm. So what, what's this? Our friend underscore David Smith, who is a prolific iOS app developer um, and the host of Under the Radar, a co-host of Under the Radar here on Relay FM, has released a, an app called Calzones. Now, here's the thing. So here's what I also want to know. How do you say it? Calzones or Calzones? <laughs> I'm not sure. Like, I haven't worked out the emphasis yet. Um, it is probably... I mean, we could talk about how great the app is in a minute. Wait, can 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 but, you? Is there a difference in what you said? The two yeah, versions? cow zones or cow zones. It's like how much do you emphasize the cow <laughs> in it? It sounds the same to me. Yeah, uh, I'm not surprised, <laughs> but like there is a um, there is a slight difference. It's like if you're just saying the word cow zone, you you don't stop, right? Like you're just like you're just saying the word cow zone, but because you know it's two things, and it's like what is, is it called camel case when you've got like letters in the middle? I can never yes. remember. So yeah. it's like, do you kind of like take a second to stop, like cow zones, cow zones? I don't know, but anyway. Oh yeah, no, I, now yeah. I I can hear that. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I say cow zones. Yeah, cow zones. Hmm. I don't know how I say it. I think it changes every time. This is pointless because like, we're just wasting time now. Uh, yes. the, this app is amazing. The name is just brilliant. And it's called this because it is part calendar, part time zone converter. Um, and I, the, name, the app had a different name that I don't remember 
Um, I don't even know if if underscore would even be happy with me sharing it. But I remember that he said uh, Lauren, his wife, was like, she had this idea for cow zones. What do you think? And I was like, oh, hell yeah. And at (laughs) first I was like, I'm not sure if like just my propensity for pun-based humor means mm. that this is good or not but i love it and but and luckily everybody else seems to think that it's really funny too uh and and clever so it's also really memorable um i do wonder what the ios 6 version of this app would have looked like mm. why why do you wonder that it would have been full of like dough and like ovens and stuff right surely oh for that reason <laughs> the, the skeuomorphic version of calzones uh, would just be full of pizza toppings yeah so um the thing that i noticed today on twitter is that a bunch of people uh wanted to check on me whether i knew that you know calzones sounds like calzone like the food uh the meal and, and yes why would i not know this <laughs> it's not that it just sounds like it. it's the same word it's just it more is. than one calzone and, right? and yes we do have cal- <laughs> calzone in italy uh we pronounce it differently how do you pronounce it uh, it's very different it's calzone oh that's not that different okay it's, I guess the accent is different. If you would have said to me, how do you think we say it in Italy? That's how I would have said it. Okay. Um, and also, this is interesting. I got a bunch of people saying that it sounds kind of funny in Spanish or Portuguese. I'm not sure. But basically, it's the word for underpants, I think. That's but, incredible. Know, that's the thing. with, And I mean, technically, in Italian, calzoni would, would mean like trousers, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's the same word, really. Uh, mm-hmm. But... Here's the thing. When it's you do crazy. an Eng- when you do an English pun, an English name, it's gonna sound weird in some other language. Uh, yeah, it doesn't you know, matter what it is. Yeah, there's some app names that sound funny in Italian, and there's nothing you can do about it. So uh, I think it's a very it's a very funny pun and and sort of. I guess if you yeah. think about it, it you know I guess like calzones are like the underpants of pizza. If like That's... you really it like wraps around anyway. Um, we should talk about the app itself. It's 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 very good. And this is, do you want to just describe the basic UI, and then I have like a bunch of little parts that I want to talk sure. about. Sure. So the idea is there's two main views. Um, there's a, a grid that lets you compare time zones between multiple locations around the world, uh, and this is a this is a, a grid that shows you like all the hours of the day, and mm-hmm. you can actually in settings. Uh, you can set what your work hours are. And those hours will will have a lighter shade, a lighter yep. color in the grid. Uh, and as you scroll, you can see how the time changes throughout the day across all of your time zones. Uh, and when you reach, you know, for example, off work hours and then nighttime hours, the colors get darker and you can, uh, you know, you can advance for multiple days. And at the bottom of this grid, you will see calendar events that start at the time that is, you know, that is above on the grid. And you can see um, what the time of the event looks like in other mm-hmm. time zones. It's a very clever way to compare that. So like if me and Federico are talking and we're like, oh, we want to set up something for Tuesday at three o'clock, I would scroll yeah. in Cal zones through my list until I kind of get to Tuesday at three o'clock so I could do the time zone conversion, right, to see what the time is for everybody involved. But then I would also see, oh, I have a calendar appointment at that time. That just on its own... That was the idea 
so okay so the reason i'm involved in this is this this that idea of like here is a list of all your time zones which you can scroll through and your calendar events appear at the bottom that was the original idea that underscore had in february and he sent it to me and my brain exploded because i could not believe i'd never seen this before because if you think about it when you're doing a time zone conversion it's super important to know if you're busy at that time right because what i would do is check the time zone conversion see if everyone can make it check my calendar realize i have an appointment go back do it again right like this mm-hmm. is this is like the t- typical flow adding those two things together is like the genius part of it so then i told him how excited it it made me and then he spent a couple of months developing it um and uh yeah and then it went on from there so yeah so that's like the the basic part of calzones is you have the time zones and you can convert them you can see what everything is but it also has integration with a calendar but then it goes yeah. a little bit further than that yeah so there's a the second view, and you can flip between them, there's a button in the bottom right corner of the app. Um, the second view is a monthly calendar where, you know, it's a standard monthly calendar. Each day has colored dots if there's any events on that day. And when you tap on a day, you get a list of events at the bottom. Now, each event can be expanded. And when you do, you switch from viewing just the local time of the event to this uh, sort of special expanded view that shows you the local time for the event, but also what that event looks like in other time zones. So for example, right now, let's see, today is Wednesday, I have connected MI7, but I can expand the event and it says in London, it would be at 6 p.m. for Mike, mm-hmm. or in Memphis, it can, it'll can be noon. And the same would be for John. Now, John is not a time zone, of course, but it's the custom name that I assigned, yep, which is also a feature of Calzones, mm-hmm. to Chicago, which is you know actually the same time zone as Stephen in Memphis, but I like to keep them separate. Yeah, because sometimes like locations are not important, but the family yep. members that are in those places are. So you could set you know the the names of all of your family members spread across the world in as this separate time zone. So you can see, oh, for Mary it's this, for Freddie it's this, which is like a like another just little nice little feature of the app. Yeah. And the, I would say the third major feature for me is the custom date picker. Mm, in, the custom in date picker. Uh, so, oh. <laughs> because it's got, <laughs> uh, as, you can, as you can tell, Mike really likes this feature too. I love um, this feature. So you, uh, of course, thanks to the calendar integration, in addition to viewing your events, you can also modify them and create new ones. And when you create a calendar event or when you modify an existing one, um, there's a you know the standard uh, fields for starts and ends if it's a timed event and when you tap on them what's different is that instead of just seeing a single time usually your local time you will also get a date picker that shows you multiple time zones and when you scroll all of them scroll at the same time Mm -hmm. in 15 minute increments so it's it it's like you can schedule an event for your local time, but at the same time, you can also confirm the time in other time zones. It's amazing. It's uh, there. Are, there are a few things in this app. Again, I, I keep saying it. Of like, I see them and I'm like, why? Why is this the first time I've seen somebody do this? Yeah. And this is one of them. Like, obviously, everybody just uses the standard time date picker because it's built into the system. Like, why not just do it, right? But this is 
an example of somebody who really understands the app that they're making. Like, Underscore didn't need to put this part in because he has all of the other part, right? Like, in theory, you've already checked what the time is because it's a time zone converter, right? You've already checked it. But this it just adds that extra level on top to, to really, like totally like nail down what this app is all about right and and it, it it's one of one of a few features that i absolutely adore about this application um another one is the widget in general is incredible so what we were describing earlier about where you have the the kind of the grid which shows all of your times which goes off into the distance and your calendar events at the bottom that is the widget as well i've never seen a widget replicate an app's UI in this way, it's incredibly powerful and something that I love about it. So you're in the widget and you know I'm tapping through and I'm like, okay, so I know what time I want to do this. I want to do it at 3 p.m. Eastern. If you tap on 3 p.m. in the Eastern kind of row, it will open up the app to a new event at that time, which is just like, yeah, that's exactly what I want it to do, <laughs> right? Because that's perfect. And and yeah, like that's so, very nice. Did you know it did that? Uh, I did. I didn't cover the widget in my review because I um I really don't use widgets. I, I okay. basically my widgets page is just for shortcuts at this point. That makes sense. So, yeah. yeah, the widget was really really important to me because it, that's what I was. All of my time zone conversion was happening in another widget. Like that's where it was happening before I was using a widget uh, called Clock, which I've used for years. Um. So when, when Underscore was showing me this stuff, I was like, the widget has to be good and I need it to be interactive and all that kind of stuff. And he just, he did something that was very, like I say, very surprising to me because the widget just looks like the UI of the application. I kind of don't understand how he was able to do that because it seems like it would have been too complex. And instead of being able to swipe, you just have buttons for left and right and it just scrolls the views. But then you just tap on any of the little grid squares. You should go look at the the... Federico's review there's links in our show notes so you can understand kind of like how it looks um but yeah so you tap on any of the grid squares and it just opens to the time there which i think is fantastic mm-hmm. um the apple watch complication customizer feature yeah. so you can go and you can create custom uh complications which in and of itself is it's just brilliant right like i think that's like a great idea but he but then underscore also rebuilt apple watch faces inside of his app which work with the tortoise and hare icons to speed it up and stuff so you can see how it will change over the day. I don't know why he did that, right? <laughs> but I love that he did it. Uh, and like he was, uh, there's a great episode of Under the Radar, which they published today too. And basically, Underscore just seemed to just do this because he wanted to do it. And, and I think that that's so fun. Yeah. Uh, some of those complications I, I don't understand myself because mm-hmm. like they move in a way that is opposite to what I expect. Like the day and night, like this, I think the sun moves uh, counterclockwise and I was expecting it to move clockwise because that's how I associated the idea of progress. Instead, it moves the other way. Mm. Instead of, so the, the moon comes in from the right side of the circle, which was kind of weird to me. I guess that's like, I don't know, because the sun, the sun rises east maybe i don't know um anyway i mostly I, I just love the fact that i can put the new york time on my uh watch face and yes i can do it with um with the apple clock app 
if you add multiple cities in the clock app on your iPhone, you can add those complications on the Apple Watch. But when I tap on the New York time on my watch face, it opens calzones on the watch, the app. So I can, with one tap, I can go from watch face to the list of time zones on my watch, which is great for uh, comparing time zones between multiple cities, and I can spin the digital crown to um, advance the time or go back in the past. It's it's really well done. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, Mike, but I put this one on my home screen, yep. and it's on my, in my, on my iPad's dock. Uh, yep. There's a few things that I would like to see done in the feature that I mentioned in the review. Um, I would like to see iCloud Sync um, so that I don't have to recreate all my time zones and my custom abbreviations and my custom names multiple times on the iPhone and iPad. Uh, I don't know if it's possible, but I would love to see something different on the iPad in terms of layout. Mm-hmm. Right now, the app is mostly functional. It's a it's a blown-up version of the iPhone app, which is fine for me because I mostly use it in slideover, so it's an iPhone layout anyway. But I wonder if there's maybe a way to do a sort of a richer, more versatile. Um, that would be nice. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Siri shortcuts would be would be really good. Mm. Uh, just to to be able to assign a voice phrase to uh, I don't know, show me the Chicago time zone because whenever I wanna, I, I ask Siri to show me a time zone, I always get the syntax wrong, and I. You know, I think at some point I figured out what the right sequence of words were was to get Siri to do time right. zone conversions like I wanted, but then I forgot, and now I don't have the patience to. Because now you could again. just be like, "Oh, hey, show me Chicago." Yes, right, like yes. that's it, exactly. right? And then you'd yeah. get it because that—that's actually a really good thought. I hadn't thought of that one. And also, like, uh, my my final thing would be because I have a bunch of shortcuts that do like custom shortcuts in the shortcuts app that do time zone. Uh, calculations but they use a web service that i actually pay for i think um uh, to do those things um i would love to stop using the web api that i'm using and just get the data from calzones now of course those custom shortcuts would have to be based on hacks and workarounds like getting the data from the system clipboard but you know maybe fingers crossed we're gonna get an actual shortcuts api for developers at WWDC, so maybe, you know, underscore will wait for that and uh, do custom shortcuts to get data out of the app. That would be awesome. So recently on an episode of Cortex, I think it's like towards the end of last year, I was I was talking about how I felt that there were no really new apps anymore. Yes. Like it just, yeah. it, and this is something that me and you had a bit of a debate about. Um, I, think we, I don't think we spoke about it in public, but you, I underst- understandably, because it's your job, mostly disagreed with me, but... I think we came to some kind of consensus that it's slowed down. Like new mm-hmm. ideas have slowed down. Um, and what I love about Calzones is that it is completely unique. Um, and it's something that I really need and can use every day that I've never seen before. And it like immediately makes sense, which is why it's on my home screen. So like I, I still use it in conjunction with Fantastical because there's still some stuff that I would want to see added to it before i would switch it to be my full calendar as well like there's stuff that like like managing event invites i don't think any of that is in calzones um or natural day entry and things like that um but they're all like that's a future for this app if hopefully it works of like making it a a fully complete calendar where right now it has Mm. all of the basics that you would need for a calendar 
but these are like the advanced features right of a calendar app um i always i always decline calendar invites well steven loves to send them steven just adores sending me <laughs> calendar invites uh so i kind of can't get away from it <laughs> I'm He's sorry. very calendar invite heavy. I remember there was a time where you uh, used to send calendar invites to us for this show. Yeah, but then I saw the light. Uh, actually, I, th- I think it was accidental. Do you remember we couldn't get rid of it? But it just wouldn't <laughs> go away. It just kept coming back forever. No one. Yeah, I it was, was one a, of those uh, things that you do. Was a right? Different like, person. I have this great idea to automate something, and then it haunts the people that you work with for months. <laughs> right? Like, you just well, in my defense. I was using Sunrise. Remember Sunrise, the calendar oh, that app? That was on the Microsoft ball, right? Yeah, and then mm-hmm. it disappeared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it was doing something weird. It was not an automation. It was some kind of, a, I don't know, weird feature. Anyway. Yeah, working with people with regular calendar invites is a nightmare. Like every two weeks I get an email that like Stephen's changed it, but he hasn't. It just, I don't know what happens. I just get an email where it's like, oh, it's been changed in October 2019. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. Nothing's happened. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I love this app. It's amazing. Uh, there is a hashtag Mike was right theme. I think that was David's thanks to me, um, mm. for, for kind of providing some advice along the way, which I love because it means that Mike was right is now featured on the app store. There's a screenshot with the themes in it. So I get that there. Um, it's, it's kind of a, a wonderful experience to be able to have an, to have input on an application that is specifically going to be used by you um mm-hmm. so it's been great to be able to provide dave with this and i will tell you oh boy that guy is incredible right mm-hmm. like i know everybody yeah. knows this about david smith's developing talent but seeing things go from like what do you think i will say to him like oh dave like what do you think about this and he's like oh, okay and then like two hours later it's he has a new test flight build out it's like I don't understand how you've done this. Like the the man is an absolute beast and a genius, and uh, I really think that people should should get this app. It's like five dollars. It's amazing. If you ever seriously, if you ever have to look at a time zone to schedule any kind of call, meeting, event, this is now the standard bearer of app that you would want. Right, like everything else compares to this. Because just some of the basic features of this application are bar none the best way I've ever seen it done. So you should check it out because it's amazing, not just because Underscore is awesome too. It's true. All right, are you doing the ads or am I doing them? How does it work this week? You are thanking our friends at Squarespace, Okay. Make your next move with Squarespace. They will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project. With the ability to grab a unique domain name, take advantage of and customize award-winning templates and more, Squarespace can be that home for whatever it is you want to put on the internet. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform. There's nothing to install or patch or upgrade. They've got it all covered and they back everything up with 24-7 customer support as well um, i've been using squarespace for so many years you know when i was talking about my nine slash ten year anniversary earlier those websites back then all the way back then were squarespace websites as well as i still have squarespace websites that i manage today and i have other projects in my future that when i want to get a website for them i'll go to squarespace to get it because it's so simple it's so customizable and it's always really professional looking as well they have all of the functionality that you're going to need to put whatever it is you want to put online online you can try it out for yourself right now don't just take my word for it go to squarespace.com connected no credit card required to do it you can build your 
entire website. And then when you're ready to launch it to the world, you sign up for one of their plans that start at just $12 a month. If you use the offer code CONNECTED, you will then get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show. That is squarespace.com slash connected and the code CONNECTED for 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So I have a friend of the show, Guillermo Rambo, who I've so much enjoyed watching him mm. uh, over the last couple of years going from like, hey, I found something to now works at 9to5Mac and is publishing really interesting stuff all the time. Um, something's happened, right? Because yes. we're a Wednesday. The last three days, Guy has had some kind of scoop that nobody else has gotten near about iOS 13 features. Yes. So something's happened. Um, and and what, what I like about this, and I think this shows 9to5 have been very smart about this. Whoever had this idea, they are taking the Apple approach from a few weeks ago. They've got a mm. bunch of stuff, but yeah. let's not do it all at once. Let's own this week, which I assume that they're doing. I doubt that this is it unless they're going to pull an air power on us. But right, like I expect that there'll be something tomorrow, and then just like Mac is cancelled. No, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I expect there'll be something every day this week. Um, but like, we'll get into so like some of this stuff happened on Monday, and me and Jason spoke about it, and we're going to talk about some of those things today. Then there was a report yesterday, and there was another report today. Yeah. Um. But I, I don't know what's happened here. But I expect, because that's okay. So they're saying that they have uh, sources, which I'm sure they do. But I think someone's got their hands on something. Sure. Yeah. Right. This feels too much. This feels way too um, deep to be just like, oh, we spoke to someone in a bar, right? Like, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they have spoken to people. They've maybe confirmed things here or there. But some of the details feel like typical. Uh, Guillermo Rambo and Steve Trouton Smith data mining stuff. You know, it's it's a uh, it's a Guillermo featuring Steve. Really, it's a it's and a collab. Exactly. <laughs> like so, like you see, like just mentioned every now and then, like oh, Steve Trouton Smith like uh, was involved in helping this article, yeah. and that like confirms to me that they're digging through stuff together because Steve is not a reporter, mm-hmm. right? Like so that that's kind of just my opinion on this i genuinely do not know but i expect something's been uh something's been looked through yeah yeah and you know the kind of detail and the kind of uh technical um sort of analysis that uh, that has gone through in these reports really seems to suggest and this is just my speculation but it seems to suggest that they must have something on their hands to mm-hmm. back up all this information but yep. in any case um so that would be a really interesting backstory whenever you know they're ready to share this if at if. all possible mm-hmm. if possible well we'll see um i kind of wanted to discuss with you a few aspects of these reports so mm-hmm. you went over uh when the first article went out all about ios 13 and some ipad features you you ran through all of those features with json on upgrade uh i wanted to focus on some of them uh especially because yeah uh, yesterday uh, they had an article about how Apple is planning a sort of Luna display-like product mm-hmm. to use the iPad Pro as a display for your Mac. 
um, today they have a third article about uh, Find My iPhone and Find My Friends becoming single app with support for physical tags that you can attach to. Which, uh, which Apple might be making, which, which seems wild Apple, to me. Yeah. So go read those articles. I want to focus on some aspects, mm-hmm. um, specific aspects. So let's start from the iPad. And I want to talk to you about, because this is a point that you made on Upgrade. The idea that the iPad is getting Windows and cards or panels. Um, so this idea of you're, we're going to get iPad apps that can that support multiple Windows. But what do Windows actually look like? And I think we can all agree on the fact that we're not going to get, you know, Mac-like or PC-like uh, freely resizable Windows. I don't so, think we can all agree, but I think oh, come on. most people that use <laughs> iPads know that. Like I, I really think that there are a lot of people that think that that means it's going to look like the Mac, but it's okay. not going to. It's not going to look like the Mac. Yeah. So, um, uh, referring to window as a, as the idea of a, sort of a, like a canvas, like a, like the space where an app can be. Um, but what's it going to look like when an app can have multiple views? So I think it's, uh, you know, referring to, you know, last year, I think German at Bloomberg referred to the ability to have tabbed windows, sort of like on the Mac, where modern Mac apps can open uh, multiple tabs uh, for multiple Mm -hmm. views. Mm -hmm. But I guess the idea would be, they're not going to be traditional windows. You're not going to be able to resize from the corner and make them smaller, I think. Um, For for the longest time, I thought there were going to be some kind of tabs. Uh, and for some reason, I, I imagined, do you remember, Mike, the, when Safari 4 came out many, many years ago, and they did that design with tabs at the top, uh, above the address bar, and a lot of people right, hated so the change? I didn't remember it from my memory, but when I went to the link that you provided, I remembered it. So, yes, I do remember this. Yeah, so for some reason, I always imagined it's going to look like that. You're going to be able to switch between multiple views of the same app with some kind of tab UI at the very top, just right under the status bar. Um, I don't know why. It's just uh, my thought. But bigger picture, like, okay, we're going to get the ability to have multiple views. But what does it actually mean in terms of um, the content that you see on screen? So right now on iOS... And when you open an app, it can be one thing, mm-hmm. right? It can be one screen, one instance of the same app. And I th- and I think what we're going to get in iOS 13 is a way to have separate instances of the same app. So, for example, you can have pages, which is one app, but you can have multiple views or column tabs or column windows that show you document one and document two. And those two views can be separate. But my question would be, instead of what I want to discuss with you, is to what extent they can be separate. And I have a bunch of questions here. Um, my first one would be, will this um, improved multitasking feature be exclusive to document-based apps or just any app? Because right now, if you think about it, Apple is using... As two main systems sort of to identify the kind of content that you see on, in an iOS app, it can either be a document or it can be an activity. And they're using this beautiful API that is an S user activity 
that is basically a catch-all umbrella for everything on iOS at this point. You know, Siri shortcuts are based on NS user activity and predictions are based on it. Everything is based on It's the entire SDK at this point. It's just swallowing everything up slowly. Yeah. So I assume that it's easy to imagine, like, opening multiple documents, but I think just any app should be capable of showing you multiple views. One example could be one window or one view shows you the Twitter timeline and another view shows you your mentions, like that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know what kind of API Apple is going to use, but this idea of not just documents, but anything you want. And again, there's precedent for this, which would be Safari. Our Safari has uh, its own split view feature that lets you open two web pages. So not documents, not maybe activities, strictly speaking, but just two views from the same app at the same time. Which brings me to my second question, or second point of discussion is, these multiple views, do they need to be shown at the same time on screen? Like, for example, Safari right now, it supports its own split view, but you need to be in Safari to see these two views simultaneously. But what's being rumored for iOS 13, to me at least, it sounds like something a little more complex than what Safari supports. And I have, and I have to wonder, if you're doing multiple instances of the same app, can you actually separate them so that you don't have to see them on screen at the same time? Will you be able to do things like one space will be Twitter and pages showing you one document, and then you will be able to do another space with Safari and also pages showing you a second document. Will you be able to do this kind of stuff? But if if the answer is yes, that adds a whole new layer of complication to managing multitasking on iOS. In that right now, as I mentioned at the beginning, when you use an, an app, it's one thing. It's one instance. And if you want to close that app, you just open the multitasking switcher and you close it and you force quit the app. But if multiple instances are scattered all throughout the multitasking, the app switcher, and if you create these instances that are these instances that are broken, you know, uh, one is paired with an app, and another is full screen, and another uh, like how many can you create? Is it just two? Is it three? Is it four? Can you combine them with other apps? And if yes, how do you close them all? And at what point do you basically recreate what's possible on macOS? Even though they're not resizable windows, you end up in a situation where you can have multiple windows from the same app all over the place. Uh, that's how it works on the Mac. You can have multiple Safari windows and you can, you know, place them wherever you want. You can have spaces, you can have, you know, resize them. On iOS, you wouldn't be able to resize them. But if you were to grant users all this freedom, you would have a bunch of Safari instances all over the place. And I don't know, I don't know what. Of course, I don't know the answer. I don't know what Apple wants to do, but I, I want to ask you, would you, do you think you would have a use for this kind of freedom if you were, you know, if you were allowed to open one version, uh, let's call it version or view because instance, it sounds too developer, you know, too, too, too programmery to me. Um, would you have a use for one view of Twitter in one place and another 
view uh, in some other place? Or would you prefer to have them side by side? Or would you prefer it all to have the choice of using them side by side or using them separately? What, what do you have something in mind when you think about this feature, Mike? So, all right. So definitely, yes. But most of my instances are document-based, as you mentioned, right? So like two Google Docs, two pages uh, documents, two numbers spreadsheets. And sometimes they'll be together, but sometimes they'll be in different places. And that's like, that would work perfectly fine for me. You know, like treating each instance of a document being opened like it's its own window. Like, do you know where that happens? That happens on the Mac. And this mm-hmm. goes back to the beginning of the the questions that you were asking. Like, you know, when we were talking about it, it's like, oh, what is it going to be based on? I think the answer is none of the things that exist currently. Like, mm. this is part of Marzipan, in my mind, because what Apple would have to do to make these things match up is to provide the ability for an application to be fragmented into multiple instances because that's yeah. how the Mac works. And then when you tie in this idea of like Apple doing this uh, project called Sidecar, which is this sharing of screens, I think it's sharing of windows. So like you have a window on the Mac, you can put it on iOS and it just pops up, right? And now you've got that window there um, because I expect there to be this like synergy of these Marzipan apps of the windows being used in different ways so on the mac they're like you can put them wherever you want right like imagine safari tabs just for for simplicity's sake you can pull them all apart and put them wherever you want on ios you can break them up and put them next to each other or put them in different with other applications in different split view instances but they're all separate windows right so like that's kind of how i imagine it working now when you come down to like well, how does it work with closing them? One, don't worry about it. It's iOS, right? Like mm. the system will does the system will take care of the potential risk of them being open, i.e., like memory issues, right? So that's not going to be like in other places. Like that's going to be taken care of, and I'm sure there'll probably be new gestures, right? Like maybe the the gesture of holding down on an app icon now will show you some kind of like expose like view of here's all of your instances of that application being yeah. open um or it'll be like what happens on the mac where like if i have multiple finder windows open or whatever when i hit the finder icon it just takes me to the one that i most recently used and if i need to find the other one i've got to go look for it like there are problems when you look at it like oh how does it work with ios but these are accepted slash solved problems on the Mac, which is why I think what we're going to see is something that really bridges the gap between these two operating systems when it comes to like this windowing nature on iPad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, personally speaking, I, I hope there's um, there's going to be su- support for multiple modes of opening these views. Like, I want to be able to choose to have either tabs side by side or and sort of replicate what Safari can do with split, with uh, its own split screen mode. But also, I would love to to come to pair uh, the same app with multiple apps uh, at the same time and yeah. sort of you know have multiple spaces. I feel like it would be a failure to not be able to do both. Yeah, and and I hope that um, uh, you know in doing this, Apple sort of reconsiders what they've done with iOS 11 multitasking in that I would love f- to finally have a way to to create my own templates for app spaces 
and to do something like uh, I'm gonna create a space and give it a name and sort of call it the I don't know the writing space and it's always got my text editor and Evernote for example um, and sort of to to say put one window here and another window there and then create a separate mm, note-taking space, which also has Evernote, because multiple windows can be multiple places. Sort of this ability to create my own spaces, my own favorite spaces. And I hope there's also going to be some kind of um, way to control this, uh, especially from shortcuts. Like, I would, I, I would love to have a way from shortcuts to control, quote-unquote, windows and say, open this view in Ulysses, or you open this view in Safari. Like, to be able to control these tabs or windows or whatever and automate them from shortcuts. And I also hope that developers will have a way to control how they can open views. Like, will they be able to offer, I don't know, buttons that say open this document in a separate view or will it be like a system gesture that like ties into drag and drop or some other way like... The, the the actual implementation of this will be fascinating to see just how closer to the desktop metaphor Apple wants to get or if they actually rethought the entire concept for touch. That will, that will be interesting and just how open it will be. But also, uh, the idea of these panels, of these cards that is also mentioned in the 95Mac uh, report, um, they uh, specifically call out... Uh, this project uh, called Panel Kit. It was made by, and I'm going to get his name wrong, Lu- Luis uh, Dove, D- Dove, Dove, I'm not sure. It's I think it's, it's Belgian, so I'm not sure how to pronounce that. He's working at Apple now. <laughs> he, yeah, of course. Well, you know. Yeah. Fun fact, he also made uh, an open source terminal for iOS. So, um, open term. Really, really good app. Um Anyway, it works at Apple now. So this idea that in iOS 13, there will be a way to uh, to detach these um, sort of like popovers, these panels, and detach them from the interface and make them float as little cards on screen and actually stack multiple cards with each other. Like palettes, like, some, um, I thought they yeah. palettes in Photoshop and stuff like that? So it's, yeah. Or like sort Pixelmator of the, or something? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly like that. So whether it's like an ins- an inspector or a palette of tools, like this idea that you can detach them from it, their origin point, move them around, sort of like you can move around the picture-in-picture picture, uh, video player. That's how I'm imagining this thing. Uh, basically what Panel Kit was, uh, but with the ability to also stack them. And I assume to flick between those cards when they're mm-hmm. stacked. Um, I... I'm actually in love with this idea already, just hearing about it. Um, and I wonder if it, if it is what I'm imagining it will be, like this way of combining the, the freeform windowing approach with the simplicity of touch. Like taking this idea of you can have these little windows, these little palettes, but you um, turning them in a system that is entirely based on multi-touch and the the iOS design language. So they're interactive, you can throw them around, and they bounce around the corners of the screen and they have realistic physics, and then you can stack them and you can manipulate them. I'm in love with the idea already. So I'm imagining like 
creativity apps like uh, Pages or, um, uh, sorry, creativity apps like um, Pixelmator, for example, or Affinity, or like um, more productivity apps like Pages or OmniGrapher or OmniFocus. All th those apps that, that have rich, complex interfaces, that have multiple inspectors, multiple palettes, I can see how there may be ways to um, give you more power in, in the sense that you can show multiple inspectors at the same time, but also a way to quickly group them all together as floating panels. Well, it makes it really great for smaller screen devices, yeah. right? Because then you can have more tools on screen, but they're, they're where you need them to be, but they're stacked up. So you just got to flick through the panels and you get what you need, which makes it great when you're like taking an application from a 27-inch iMac all the way down to an 11 inch iPad, right? But yeah. then you can have a similar experience because now instead of like separating out all of your panels or your palettes in, in Pixelmator, you can still have all those tools available to you like at, at your fingertips, quite literally, but they're, they're stacked up on top of each other and, and there's, you can kind of move them around more freely than you have been able to. It's like one of my great frustrations with Pixelmator uh, on the iPad is I feel like I can never find the tools that I need, but I know they're there. And it's because they're hidden in these weird iOS... Well, I don't even... I'm talking about like original Pixelmator, not Pixelmator Photo, where they made it look like that iPhoto app, right? So like all, it's not even... It doesn't even feel like typical iOS conventions today. Like you hit this button and then this window pops up with a bunch of tools in it and it's like super difficult to understand where things are, but it's still a great app on iOS. It's still very powerful, but it could be designed way better. Something like what the upcoming Photoshop's going to look like, right? Where they've mm -hmm. shown it with panels, right? Like a, it's a Photoshop-like yeah. interface. Um, and there's a bunch of apps already that exist on iOS that are like that. Like the, all those Affinity apps and stuff. They they have a version that they built themselves, right? Of these like movable panels. Maybe they're using panel kit. I don't know. Um, or something like it. Uh, but it would be amazing to have stuff like that as a, as a system convention even more so if you could then possibly imagine this weird and wonderful world where you might even be able to take those panels and put them somewhere else. Who knows, right? We're, mm. we're in the wild west now. Something that I want to say before we talk about the next topics here, this idea that, uh, you know, the iPad has been around long enough for um, iPad purists to exist um, in the community uh, and sort of these these folks who uh, are against any kind of um, any kind of idea where the iPad can become more powerful or complex than it is and I think of course I, I end up on the complete opposite side of this spectrum I, I'm all for the iPad becoming more like a more like a desktop computer in the sense of the kind of power that it gives to you not in the kind of complication that it comes with and so I hope that in doing all of this in in supporting multiple windows and in supporting you know detachable panels and floating carts whatever it is I hope that Apple can uh, and I fully believe that they can um, strike a good balance between um, giving you the power that was normally available only on a desktop computer, but done in a way that it doesn't force the iPad to be too complicated or too complex if you don't want it to be. Because one of the greatest strengths of the iPad right now is that you're not forced to use split view. 
you're not forced to use Lightover. You can use iPad apps in full screen like they used to be when the iPad came out 10 years ago and the OS will never bother you. They will never say, oh no, but please use Split View. No, it's not mandatory. You can just use an iPad in full screen all the time and it's fine. So I hope that... I don't think they're getting rid of that. No, me neither. I really don't. I, I, see, I, see, I see your concern or, or the concern of other people. Like I know why people yeah. might think it, but like people that use the iPad a bunch still will want to and still do use things use their d- devices like this all the time it's like the fact yeah. that in the mac you can have an app go full screen like there yeah. are times where it makes a lot of sense to do it but yeah I, I, yeah I i i see why i understand people's concern um but i think that it's right to push forward Cause, and I, the yeah, reason i understand absolutely. the concern is like ios uh 12 pushed a bunch of people away from the ipad Right. Or is it 11? Which one was 11, it? That, 11, 11, 11. 11. Sorry. Yeah. 11 pushed a bunch of people away because it got more complicated. Mm. And my hope really is that we see with iOS 13 why this happened. Right. Mm. That like, well, really, it should have been last year. It was supposed to be one year and then the next year they advanced it, but they didn't for whatever reason. They wanted to move things around. Um, so then when iOS 13 comes around, you're like, oh, I see why this works this way now. Why multitasking is like this, because we need to have this vast, vastly more like split apart complex system to enable all of these windows to be moving around. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I feel yeah. like maybe we just waited a little bit longer to get it. Yeah, we'll see. Um I want to quickly mention this idea of sidecar as uh, using the iPad as a display for the Mac. And I'm, I'm just going to quote uh, what's in the 9to5Mac report. The new feature called sidecar internally can be accessed via a simple menu. This new menu will be opened by hovering over the green maximize button in a Mac app window for a split second. The menu will have options for making the window full screen, tiling and moving to external displays, including the user's iPads and external displays uh, connected to the Mac. So uh, this idea of you have, an, you have a Mac, you have an iPad, and you will be able to take one window and say, put this window on my iPad and use the iPad as a display. Um, it's really fascinating to me because, you know, a you know, bunch of people say, oh, Apple is going for Luna Display. Luna Display is doomed. Apple wants to let you use the iPad as a full-on external display for the Mac. I have a bunch of questions here. Um, main one being, is this just a continuity feature in that you could take one window at a time and put it on the iPad? Or are they actually going for the full-on Luna Display experience in that the iPad becomes a secondary display that you can use in extended desktop mode on macOS? And I have a feeling, reading through this report, that it'll be, it'll be a simplified version. It'll be the first... Uh, case of you take one window at a time and you put it on the iPad, which is an external display. But I will be—I'm skeptical of the fact that will you be able to hover over to that display with the mouse and resize the window? Will you see the desktop underneath? Will you be able to put any window that you want on there? Will Will you be able to put multiple windows on the iPad's display? Personally, reading through this port this report i believe that apple wants to just let you take one window and sort of put it on the ipad and that's it but you will not be able to 
I mean, I would love it if it were possible, but I, I don't think Apple wants to give you yeah, th- this the kind of experience. More you know? to me, like that really good continuity demo. Yeah. Right? Where like, hey, you remember that thing continuity that we built? Well, now it's like you take the exact thing you were doing and you just put it onto your iPad and you get up and walk away. Right? Yeah. Like it, it just feels like something that's an advancement to that. I mean, if they did do this thing where you could use your iPad as an extra display, like Luna Display is amazing, but what Luna Display enables is the best thing. And if Apple finds some way to do that and it's really good, I mean, that will be great, right? Like it will be incredible for most people to just be able to do it. But it seems unlikely. Uh, I, it just, to me, feels unlikely that, that they would... I can't imagine Apple mm-hmm. wanting to relegate an iPad to just being a display for a Mac. That yeah. that feels like saying something about the device that I'm not sure they would want to say, right? Where it's like, yeah, the iPad's super powerful, but really it's just best if you use it as a second screen. A second screen. You know what? Yeah. I, I feel like it's not doing enough to show the power of the devices independently of each other, right? Like if you're just like, oh, this is just good as another display. That that doesn't seem right to me, but I'm intrigued yeah, to find out. All right, yeah. there was more. There's more, uh, but that's kind of like those things are all grouped together. And then there's a couple of other little items that we yes. wanted to talk about. Uh, but let me thank our friends over at Pingdom for their support of this show. Uh, we love Pingdom here at Relay FM. They're brilliant. They help keep our site online. They help keep the sites that you love online because Pingdom will monitor your website so you don't have to and give you real-time feedback so you know exactly what's going on at all times because the internet is awesome, but it breaks. Uh, Pingdom detects around 13 million outages a month. That's more than 400,000 outages a day. But that's just of the websites that use Pingdom for their monitoring. So stuff is breaking all the time. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company. You want alerts about critical website issues. Pingdom will let you customize how you're alerted depending on the severity of an outage. And they will track and analyze your website's load time so you get reports about what's affecting user experience. We get a report every week. I think it comes on a Sunday or a Monday morning. It just shows us how the website was. So it's just really useful information to have. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. They have a no-fuss approach to get started. You just give them the URL that you want to monitor, and they'll take care of everything else. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get a wonderful 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and RelayFM. So um, I wanted to very quickly mention uh, one detail from the original 9to5Mac article, uh, better multilingual support for keyboards and dictation. Now, of course, I speak two languages. Um, I've always you know, wanted Apple to get better at uh, supporting multilingual features throughout iOS. Um, iOS has offered, since iOS 10, multilingual support in the software keyboard. It's kind of counterintuitive the way that you enable the feature, but it works. Um, dictation does not support multilingual, uh, you know, multiple languages at the same time. Siri also does not support multiple languages at the same time. Google does, and I believe it is time for Apple to enable uh, seamless uh, uh, recognition of multiple languages at the same time, both via dictation and Siri. Uh, this has been the you know the dream of mine for three years now. Just being able to talk to Siri 
either in uh, in Italian or in English. Uh, right now, I'm using Siri in English, but uh, just because you know it's easier for work to take screenshots and all of that. Also, because the HomePod is not officially in Italy uh, still, so uh, multilingual Siri would be would be fantastic. Uh, Let me tell you, multilin- man. Yeah, Gboards translate now. Uh, we spoken know, about this that they I had a Google Translate to Gboard. You, you mentioned it. Oh yeah, my god, yeah. it's so it works so well. Like right? you just yeah. type in what you need, and then it immediately copies it to the clipboard, and it has a, and then you just paste it in. And if you then copy some text from iMessages, a little paste button appears next to the translate thing so you just press it and it pastes the text in and just translates it back for you it's incredible mm. it's so good it's just yeah. it's one of those things where i was like wow google you did everything you possibly could for this right mm. like they worked all the way up to the limits that they're allowed within the framework that they're in it's it's kind of mind-blowing how all that works yeah so, fingers crossed, I want to be able to talk to my assistant in two languages. Oh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, last point before I share something something interesting that I heard a few months ago. Ooh, um, ooh see, it's not, not just 9 to 5 back. We have stuff too, you know. Connected exclusive, <laughs> exclusive reveal. Uh, <laughs> no, I want to talk about uh, the 9 to 5 Mac article also mentioned, just, you know, almost offhandedly, yeah. that new reminders app coming to iOS and macOS. Um, of course, I use Reminders, and I've been using Reminders for quite a long time at this point, so I switched last year. But I use Reminders not via the Reminders app, because it's terrible right now, but via a Reminders client. So a third-party app called GoodTask, which is a, a diff- essentially a different interface for the Reminders framework. Because that, you know, just like you can have different calendar clients on iOS you can have different reminders clients. Um, but I'm super happy to hear that Apple is working on a new reminders app, which has been unchanged since iOS 7. Uh, I think so. Six years at this point. Um, and I, I just hope that Apple is taking a look at apps like Good Task in this case, because it's the power user version of reminders. But also things, I think, you know, culture code they did really interesting well, things um, with their app, uh, you know, from a design standpoint, sort of embracing the iOS design language and also the way that they support external keyboards, but just the idea of uh, just how you can visually and, and, and you know, it's, it's a very tactile task manager. You can touch and drag and move things around. Um, so few things i would like to see reminders allow me to share a list with you mike and our listeners of course a redesign because i mean have you seen reminders it's uh, it's no it's quite ugly basically and and super slow to use um make i, I want to make sure that apple does and i think you agree with me on this point i want to see apple do to reminders what they did to notes a few years ago maybe even more because notes the design was already kind of okay reminders is in need of a of a i think better uh restructuring but the idea of take an existing app make it better for everybody it can still be used as a simple app but it's got so much functionality um you know if you if you go look for it you know in notes you can have tables and handwriting and links and attachments and cert like all these features they're there if you seek them 
but if you don't, it's still simple and it's still notes. So uh, that kind of treatment for reminders would be would be nice. Um, integration with the calendar because people are using calendar events and tasks at the same time. Tagging. I would love to be able to tag my reminders and create smart folders or saved searches, call them whatever you want, just in a, a way to organize my reminders like an, like I can organize my files because Apple already supports tagging in files. I would love to do the same reminders. File attachments. I should be able to attach a document using files <laughs> to a reminder because maybe I need to remind myself about a PDF or about an image and uh, you know, right now there's no way to add attachments to reminders. Better collaboration for iCloud users. I want to be able to share a reminders list with John and assign things to John because I just love assigning things to John. It's what I do. I love it. I should be able to do this, you know, using reminders. Um, Better rescheduling. Right now, good luck if you want to change the date (laughs) of reminder in the reminders app. Of course, good task makes it easy because it lets you create presets for dates and you know, start dates and due dates. Uh, I want to have faster rescheduling in reminders as well. Um, well. There's so many things here. Natural language typing, because I mean, of course, uh, you know, when I'm on an iPad and I want to create a reminder, I should be able to say, you know, buy a new iPad tomorrow at 3 p.m. and have it be interpreted correctly. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of really advanced and 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 esoteric views uh, esoteric features that I would love to have like were you aware of the fact mike that on iOS you can create a reminder for any screen that you see in an app you can create a reminder for I remember an this ad- this was an address this was introduced ages ago right where you can you ask can, Siri yeah. remind me about this yeah. and the, this the, the the this portion of the command can be anything it can be a photo. It can be a location in maps. It can be a website. The, the problem is, this is only possible if you do this via voice. So you got to summon Siri and talk to Siri to create these special reminders. So a way to do this without Siri, to create reminders for anything. Reminders for app content is the best way that I can describe it. Um, yeah, and really... Um, I would love to see, finally, I guess, integration between notes and reminders. And you may ask how. So I will point you to this teaser that the folks at Agenda have released this week. Uh, Agenda is a very peculiar note-taking app that allows you to you know, structure your notes on a timeline, basically. They're bringing in reminders integration in the future. And what they showed in the video is what basically I've been dreaming for ages and that I actually built myself last year using JavaScript in drafts, almost. Uh, the idea of you're typing in, an, in, an, in your notes. And at some point, in any line of text, you can say, create a reminder for this. Like any line of text can become a reminder that is linked to the Reminders app, which is also linked to that line of text. So this idea of combining a note any point of a note with a reminder, that is fascinating. And you should watch the teaser video that the Agenda folks are doing. I would love to see Apple doing the same between notes and reminders. But again, this is more uh, esoteric, advanced feature. Honestly, I would be happy with redesign, uh, tagging, and some power user features. Uh, I mean, at this point, anything would be better than what reminders currently is. So, 
I yeah. want Apple to do to remind us what they did to Notes. Yeah. Because if like they can make reminders as competent a to-do manager as they made Notes a note-taking application when they switched in what was it like nine iOS nine, I would I would switch to reminders. Like if they can just give like that same kind of level of features and reliability, then I, I, that's all I need, right? Like I I don't need a ton of stuff, um, but and then I would also then gain the system benefits. I'm keen to see what they do there and like how close do they get it to something like that, or do they just really kind of give a refresh to reminders because that will obviously be one of the marzipan apps, right? Um, yeah. I think any app on the Mac that looks like an iOS app will be the first ones to move. You know, mm-hmm. notes, reminders, yeah. stuff like that, uh, which were originally iOS apps that they brought back to the Mac, right? Now they're going to bring them back to the Marzipan or something. I don't know. Back to the future, something like that. Mm-hmm. Let's do yeah. a uh, connected exclusive. Yeah. So um, I, I want to go on the record with this because, you know, it's the season of rumors. And it's something that I heard from. Um, from a couple of people uh, a few months ago. And I kind of, you know, I wrote it off as like, mm, I don't know about this. Um, but then I kept, I kept, you know, I've kept, I'm still thinking about it. And, you know, it's always in the back of my mind. And, you know, with this idea of the iPad becoming more powerful and more like a, more like a desktop computer and, you know, could be interesting. So a few months ago, a couple of people sort of mentioned to me uh, just casually, wouldn't it be funny if you could have a mouse cursor on the iPad, um, but as an accessibility feature? And I thought that was, a, that was a fascinating idea. And my understanding of these conversations was um, making, you know, an, enabling mouse support on the iPad as part of the assistive touch uh, framework of the accessibility features of iOS. So assistive touch would be the little on-screen panel that you get and that you can customize. You know, it's the virtual home button that people have been using, you know, were using for ages uh, back when the iPhones had a physical home buttons and people that didn't want to break the home button or that had actually broken button will use the virtual one and when you tap it it expands and it shows you features that you can uh, enable via touch like show me notification center but without swiping so that kind of idea um so this idea of you, you plug in uh you, you plug in a mouse and you get a cursor that s- somehow can is tied to accessibility it is an accessibility feature and I thought that was interesting, and you know, just for fun, I actually bought a USB mouse from Amazon to to try it. I don't know, maybe you there, know. It, there may but, have been an afternoon when me and Federico were both plugging many <laughs> random mice into our iPads. <laughs> yes, it's like because when when Apple did, you know, at the beginning of the year, the twelve point two beta, I thought maybe maybe it's hidden in this beta mm-hmm. as an accessibility feature, but it was not. But then I started doing some research around this uh, idea of assistive touch and mouse cursors. And I learned that actually it is already possible if you have the right accessibility hardware to have some kind of cursor on iOS. Um, There's a specialized accessibility hardware that you can buy and you, if you have physical or other kinds of motor impairments, um, when you plug it into an iOS device, you get this little um, black dot 
that you can control and it moves on screen like a mouse cursor would move. This is already possible and has been possible for years. There's lots of videos on YouTube. Uh, there's lots of, you know, they're usually like joysticks or trackballs, you know, different designs for different kinds of accessibility needs. Uh, so this is already possible. And then I came across this um, device uh, called the Amaneo BTI, which promised to be, uh, and it was, uh, it was, you know, this company, this Amaneo company, they showed uh, this, uh, this device at various trade shows uh, for accessibility hardware. It promised to be an adapter that lets you use any USB, USB mouse with your iPad. And I got really excited when I discovered this. And so I got in touch with a reseller with a UK-based company that had a teaser page for the Amaneo BTI. And that page, I think it was December, it mentioned available early 2019. I was like, oh, so I was like all connecting the dots, sort of Charlie Day, a meme situation. Like, see, it's a USB mouse support is coming to the, the iPad. There's this company. Um, but then, you know, uh, I got in touch with this company and they were like, yeah, we're still not available. It may become available in early 2019. But then I realized, you know, this, is, this Amaneo BTI thing uh, will will tie in what's already possible for accessibility hardware like joysticks or trackballs it'll just act as an adapter but what i heard was something different what i heard was that without adapters you will be able to use any usb mouse on your ipad but as an accessibility device and i think that kind of makes sense uh the idea of without having to buy specialized hardware without having to buy a joystick or an adapter. The iPad Pro has a USB-C port. So just plug in a USB mouse. And if you have physical impairments, if you have any other kind, kinds of motor impairments, just use the USB mouse in accessibility mode. And it wouldn't be, of course, the first time that Apple is enabling features uh, under the catch-all umbrella of accessibility. Like, it, it totally would not surprise me if mouse support eventually comes to the iPad, but it's presented as an accessibility thing. Like, that would make total sense to me because of the message that Apple, you know, Apple doesn't want to say, well, the only way to use the iPad as a PC replacement is to actually plug in a mouse, but they would say, if you are, if you find, you know, if you need to have a different kind of input mechanism, you can now use any USB-C mouse as an accessibility device. That will make a lot of sense to me. So it was something that I heard months ago. Um, I don't know if it'll happen. Uh, it will. It's fascinating to think about. And uh, again, as an accessibility thing, I think it will make a lot of sense to me. I would like it. I would get great. Uh, use out of it right like it's i've wanted trackpad support um mouse support mm -hmm. on the ipad for a while for ergonomic reasons which you know that i th i think is a uh, that is even a, in my opinion like a perfectly valid use of accessibility is ergonomics like if you are someone like me who struggles with uh rsi issues and stuff like that it, it would it would make things a lot easier for me if i was able to even more frequently than I frequently than I already can with the iPad, also use another input device. That would be amazing for me. Um, so I hope that this is going to come 
to pass. I think the fact that all of the building blocks are already there makes it easier. Mm. Yeah. Right? But, I mean, one is just assistive touch in general. But two, the fact that assistive touch can be manipulated to be used with these devices, it feels like where there's smoke, there's fire kind of thing. The fact that this stuff already exists and then you'd heard about the potential for them to expand it out to kind of be available no matter what you plug in, that is a mm. that feels like a very possible and tantalizing uh, idea to me. It feels very possible because if it's already possible with special hardware... Because I'm assuming why... that Apple's allowing that, right? Like that couldn't yeah, yeah. happen otherwise, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Apple is allowing that, and you need to, you know, it's uh, it's a whole thing. You can you can buy all kinds of accessories that use it. There's demos on YouTube. You know, um, I saw a beautiful, like, excellent demo of a person that was using uh, 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 the complete suit of accessibility features, like voiceover. And of, this person was in a wheelchair, and uh, they were using a joystick to control the iPhone the iPhone's interface using this black dot on screen that was acting like a cursor. It was really like a, a testament to the accessibility features on iOS. Uh, and I think why not make it even more inclusive by saying you don't need to buy uh, specific and expensive hardware, just plug in a USB mouse. And if you want to use this special ac yes. accessibility mode that already exists, now you can use your own hardware instead of buying specific adapters. That would make a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, I think that that would be great. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Is there anything more that you wanted to cover on this stuff? Not this stuff. Uh, I yeah, have a I mean, for all we know, there's still more to come. <laughs> there's more to come. There's, uh, you know, we're going to keep talking about iOS 13, but we wanted to close the show with a, with a gallery of uh, hardware that I've been testing. Mail time here on Connected. <laughs> Federico's got a bunch of stuff. Oh, but, my. Uh, before we do, actually let me talk about one of my favorite mail time uh, kind of situations because I want to talk about Moo the online print and design company Moo offers a variety of premium print products including business cards postcards notebooks and more and they deliver to happy customers all over the world networking is an important part of any career whether you're a designer a developer a novelist or a CEO and you don't want to get caught out by not having a business card at that important moment you don't have to like pick up a napkin and write down your email address on it that's that's no good. You can be prepared and show your creativity by having your business cards made with Moo. Great design is at the heart of what Moo does, and there's nothing like a slick, well-made business card, especially when you get all of the wonderful options that Moo have, like gold foiling or spot gloss, which will allow your artwork to, to really stand out. They have thick, textured paper as well, which I really love. I have cards made from them um, that kind of are, are two cards sandwiched with something in the middle, so like you can get a bit of color pop through. I really love them super easy to design and order and they have all these little special extra touches as well um, it's really great to see your hard work on screen like the work that you may have done the design but when you hold it in your hand it's even better and that's what Moo is all about giving people that that ability you can count on Moo to help you make that great first impression whether you need business cards for an important meeting customized flyers for an upcoming event or even stickers greeting cards notebooks or postcards they the notebooks by the way I love them they're in soft cover and hard cover um, they've done some really cool things if you're a notebook nerd like me. But one of them that I'll explain is they have a hardcover notebook. And when you open the hardcover, the, the actual cover is not on the front stuck to the page. So it opens out completely flat, 
which means the book can go completely flat. It's really impressive the way that they do it. And it means that you don't have that like awkward, oh, the first page is like slightly hovering in the air. It's like it, 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 they do a really, really good job with their stuff. The paper's fantastic. It's tough, tactile. The cloth covers are beautiful. The soft covers are lightweight. They have sewn binding. Super impressive stuff. Whatever you need, Moo have you covered with their easy customization options. And you can get 15% off your order right now when you go to Moo.com and use the promo code PRINT15. That is Moo.com, M-O-O.com, and the promo code PRINT, P-R-I-N-T-1-5, PRINT15. Our thanks to Moo for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Moo, let's get physical. So what have you, what's going on over there? What have you been up to? Uh, so um, I've been receiving review units for everything, basically. Um, <laughs> it's the season of uh, iPad accessories and wireless charging accessories. So um, yeah, I've been testing a few different things. Uh, let's start from iPad keyboards. Um the Logitech sent me a review unit for the Slimfolio Pro, uh, which is the new uh, the new iPad Pro case and keyboard that they announced a few mm -hmm. weeks ago. I like it, honestly. Uh, so it's the classic Logitech keyboard. It's got the the classic feel of the Logitech keys, you know, from the old Logitech Create uh, line. Um, it's standard Logitech keyboard feel, but it's designed for the new iPad Pro, and it's and it's designed for the fact that you can ha you can uh, hold the pencil together with the iPad. So the keyboard itself, it's backlit, and which is nice. Uh, it's got media keys to control music playback and go back to the home screen. It does not have a Siri key, unlike another keyboard that I will mention shortly. Um, the keys feel good, they are consistent, as I mentioned, with previous Logitech uh, keyboards. What I really like about this one is the magnetic system that allows you to place the iPad on, the, on, on this ridge that is on the, um, in front of the keyboard uh, to create an angle, a typing angle, and to sort of create a kickstand in the back of the iPad. But when you connect... Uh, the keyboard, when you attach the iPad magnetically, only then does the keyboard turn on Bluetooth so that it pairs to the iPad. And it's sort of, it's a way to fake the kind of experience that you get with the smart connector in that the keyboard becomes active only when you need it, um, only when the iPad is ready in typing mode. And it's sort of like that, and it works really nicely because it, you know, it, it, to me, it seems faster than... Uh, traditional bluetooth pairing with other uh, bluetooth keyboards because it the 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 first action is not you pressing a key on the keyboard to say hey wake up and pair to the ipad again you just need to place the ipad in typing mode and it starts pairing. that is clever it's really well done that it's is clever. clever yeah it's um, it's less weird than like space 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 oh there we go i i noticed yesterday that uh, there is a small uh, ridge in the in the back of the cover when it becomes a kickstand that sort of allows you to choose between two different typing angles. I'm not sure if this is by design. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if it is on the web page. But if you pay attention, there's a small there's a plastic ridge that you if you move it just right, 
you create a different, uh, either steep or more gentle viewing angle. So that's nice. Um, they say type mode, sketch mode, read mode. Yeah, that's a yeah, different that's thing. Yeah, that's not it. Um, yeah. I can't see anything <laughs> that s- suggests... Maybe it's just, a, it's just a byproduct of the fact that the cover can be folded and yeah. therefore there's this plastic ridge and, and if you you know if you place the ipad just right huh. uh, the angle changes uh lightly but it's a it's a it's a welcome difference um what i like about this keyboard is that it's got both uh, a globe key and a keyboard key so the keyboard key it lets you quote-unquote eject the software keyboard so that you can see the software keyboard while the iPad is still paired with the physical one. Why would you want to do this? To use custom keyboards on screen, the software ones. So if you have a custom keyboard, you can eject the keyboard and you can press the globe key on your Logitech keyboard multiple times until you cycle through all of your keyboards and you reach the custom one that you want to use. So this combination of globe and keyboard key, if you like like custom keyboards, quite useful. it's got USB-C support, so you can charge it directly from the iPad if you want. You can use a cable and uh, charge the keyboard from the iPad because everything is USB-C. I really like the special uh, protective flap for the Apple Pencil when everything is closed. It works as advertised. It makes a, a nice clicking sound when you place the, 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 protect, the, the flap on top of the pencil. It's uh, really well done. And uh, it can this this part of the case can also be sort of used as um as a kickstand for touch mode but it's again not by design and it's not stable so um but you know it's it it works as advertised for protecting the pencil and finally i want to say that this keyboard works well uh, on your lap it's uh, it's not just for a desk usage it definitely works well on your lap it's got a solid base it's a you know the keyboard is rigid enough and it you know feels good to use as a as an actual laptop but of course it's it doesn't have a customizable viewing angle you cannot freely adjust the viewing angle something that you can do mike on the bridge keyboard which i just got today make it out i don't want to speak to you anymore leave me alone final final production unit so jealous I will. Uh, I hope to be able to write about this on Mac Stories soon. I just got it a couple of hours ago. Um, it's. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. I'm touching it right now. See, it's a bridge keyboard. Um, you could be lying. I don't know. You got it. I I sent you a picture. Yeah, I Come know, on. but I'm uh, trying to. I'm building the audio <laughs> world here. There's nothing uh, I can do about that. It's exactly what I expected. It's a bridge keyboard optimized for the iPad Pro with these new hinges that adapt to the rounded edges of the iPad Pro. It comes with an optional back cover that attaches to the back of the iPad. Um, it's really nice. It's a bridge keyboard. I think it's got a different feel than the previous keys. The texture of the keys is more is smoother and feels different to me. Uh, the big difference here from the Logitech keyboard, um, it doesn't have a globe icon, but it's got a Siri key. So you can press and hold to use Siri, either in voice or type to Siri mode, depending on your preferences in iOS settings. So uh, this one has got Siri, it's backlit. It it feels like a bridge keyboard. It's really nice. It's space gray, looks beautiful uh, with the iPad. The hinges, they feel good to me so far. Uh, I want to see if they hold up well over time. Um, 
I mean, uh, it's got, you know, uh, it's very different from other um, keyboards in that it's got this huge uh, palm rest area where on a laptop, that's where the trackpad would be. Here, you don't have a trackpad, mm -hmm. so it's a huge empty area where you can just rest your, your wrists uh, when using the keyboard. Um, and also, it supports a media mode. If you want to watch a movie, you can just flip the iPad with the screen facing out. So with the back of the iPad uh, facing the facing the keyboard, and um, yeah, you can watch a movie and adjust the viewing angle of the screen. And uh, you can actually use the software keyboard in this mode. But I tried, and if you try to type on the iPad screen in media mode, everything everything wiggles because it, you know it's you're not supposed to keep touching the screen all the time with the bridge keyboard you're supposed to use the physical keyboard but it's possible and it looks uh looks looks kind of crazy when it's in that mode but um i will uh, i will let you know how this goes but so far it's a it's a bridge keyboard and it's for the new ipad pro uh so it looks great and uh i will probably have uh, an article on max stories in the next few days if i can get any more writing done if you have any questions, Mike, like, let me know. Um, uh, I so. just want it, really. Okay. Uh, I will send you mine. No, you won't. You liar. No, I won't. Uh, finally, I've been... Uh, also, thanks to Nomad for sending me uh, review units of their AirPods case and the base station with Apple Watch support. So the base station is the wireless charging mat that's got multiple Qi coils to charge multiple mm -hmm. Qi devices at the same time, but also an Apple Watch dock, an MFI certified Apple Watch this dock. This seems to have been like one of the key products that people were like, oh, I'll get this instead then. Yeah. yeah. And it confirms, at least to me, just how much I would have liked Air Power if it actually ever came out. I think it's it's amazing that you know, I put one on my night on my nightstand. I put one on my desk. I, I it's awesome that before I go to sleep, I can place my iPhone, I can place my AirPods, and I can place the watch on the same accessory, and everything charges at the same time. There's small LEDs that tell you whether it's charging or whether charging is complete. Um, it works well. It's got uh, the 10 watt uh, Qi charging speed and it looks great because it's very elegant you know it's got this uh black dark brown yeah it's black leather pad uh feels solid it's not cheap at all it feels like a premium accessory because it is and i guess the only downside would be that placing the airpods with a wireless charging case works perfectly placing the iphone at least with the smart battery case which i keep on my iphone all the time requires a bit of attention. You got to be careful with the placement of the iPhone. Uh, so I'm getting used to that, but placing the, uh, the AirPods is more forgiving. But I think it's, uh, you know, the idea of, um, of you know, putting, the, putting all of your Apple devices, uh, you know, iPhone, AirPods, and Apple Watch on the same accessory, it's, it's great. I love it. So it works really well. Um, and the AirPods case that they sent me, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep them. I think it's uh, it's a leather case to protect your AirPods mm -hmm. case. Uh, it supports wireless charging, uh, even though the leather gets kind of warm. <laughs> but that's also true for iPhones uh, with leather cases when you use wireless charging. The, like the, the, the warm leather, Mike. Mm, no, it's, it's a... not that I don't like warm leather. I don't like that it heats <laughs> up. 
mm. the heating up is always concerning to me. Yeah. Um, so, but but this you know this leather case around my AirPods case feels a little too much, and uh, I'll probably use it for when I'm taking the AirPods like to the beach, like when I don't want them to get dirty. <laughs> that makes it sound like you take them out on nice days, you know? Like, come yeah, on, AirPods, yeah. let's go to the beach today. Let's go for You've a walk. Nice. You've <laughs> Just... been well-behaved. Yeah, <laughs> when I take the AirPods to the beach because they deserve uh, a break, for, uh, you know, a break. Uh, yeah, probably just for protective uh, reasons. You know, I could use a case because I don't want my AirPods case to, to get uh, all scratched up and dirty like the original one did. So... But does that really bother I'm, you though? Oh, it does. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to be extra careful. Like I'm cleaning my AirPods every day. I'm cleaning the case every day because I really dislike. It feels what the impossible first one looks to like. clean AirPods know, to the level that everybody like that you would want them to be cleaned, right? Like it just yeah. feels like you have them for two minutes, and that's you're never going to get them back to how it was before. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it for all the things that I've been testing. Multiple keyboards, uh, chargers, AirPods case. Uh, lots of writing to do. So. If you want to find links to the stuff that we've spoken about today, you can go to relay.fm slash connected slash 239. I want to thank again our wonderful sponsors, Moo, Pingdom, and Squarespace. But of course, to you for listening, that's the most important thing. If you want to find Federico online, you can go to maxstories.net where you find a lot of wonderful coverage this week about the 10-year anniversary and, and a bunch of other articles. You know, we spoke about the Calzones review and there's going to be some... You, I know you're going to post some other stuff. You said you wanted to maybe write something about the bridge keyboard. So you want to go over and check all that stuff out. Um, but Federico will always share this stuff online. He's at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Stephen is at I-S-M-H. Send... What should we have people send, Stephen? What would be a good riddles? Riddles, yes. Just tweet at ISMH, <laughs> your favorite riddle. That sounds like that feels like it'll be fun for him to go through. To give him some just <laughs> some, some, some homework. Some some work, yeah. And and uh, riddles. That's what he needs. So do that. <laughs> uh we'll be back next week. Until then, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. Uh, what do I do now? Say adios. Oh, adios.